Okay. So, after yesterday's very illuminating class where all of our spirits were elevated, we felt so much better about everything. Yeah. I did. Okay. I'm good. I'm happy. Okay. So, what we need to explain is what's really so bad about everything that isn't the mitzvahs. Right? I mean, again, brushing your teeth on the face of it does not seem to be so bad. Right? We can say we just trust the Alter Rebbe. We can say we trust the Alter Rebbe that, you know, it's everything you do under the sun that isn't a mitzvah is an clothement of the impurities of the animal soul and it contaminates and it's ruination of the spirit. We can, we can take his word for it, um, but we're not going to. We're going to ask him to explain himself. So, I'm going to ask you a question. I'd like you to tell me the answer. What is bittel? I'm sure you've heard the word before. Yes, it has come up in your education. Yeah. The word bittel? Does anyone want to um, tell me what bittel is? Okay, well, that's an honest answer. You get three points for that. She said she doesn't know. I don't know what the points are good for, but you can have three of them. Anyone else want to venture an answer? Other than I don't know, because that one's already been taken. You don't get any points for repeating someone else's I don't know. What? Selflessness. Beautiful. It's good. Thanks. I don't know if that's right. Probably not. But, I know. I but, it's, but it is a reasonable thing for someone to think. Anyone other one have any answers other than selflessness? I definitely think I've been told that it's selflessness. I yeah. don't know. Lack of self. Lack of self. Okay. Um, I think that is what selflessness means, doesn't yeah, it? Does it have to be one word? No. It could be a you know phrase. No, I mean, me. you know, I mean, putting oneself aside for Hashem. Putting oneself aside for Hashem. Okay. That would definitely not be the same as selflessness, right? Because selflessness doesn't necessarily apply to Hashem. Okay, anyone else want to venture? Uh... No? No. Self-nullification. Self-nullification. Is that the same thing? Okay. Would, would that be the same thing? Maybe. That's what I'm asking you. I know, but I'm not right to ask. Not sure. Okay. Thank you all. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to read the next paragraph. Okay? So it starts from so too. Yes? Um, until the end of the paragraph. And I would like you to pay attention and look inside and read along. So I want you to actually trying to understand what is being said here. And hopefully, the end result of this is we will have some understanding of two things. A, what is Bittel? And then, based on that, we will also understand what's so wrong in the sense of chassidus about brushing one's teeth. Not that you shouldn't brush your teeth, that's not what I'm saying, but why brushing one's teeth or doing any other activity um, invites impurity into our lives. So, so too. I have a little triangle here. 
Or in my book. Do you have a book? No. Why is it every time I ask people to have books and they don't have books? Can I go make photocopies? You can go make photocopies. Where it does say the six of Tavis, yes. You don't have triangles? You don't have triangles? It's probably an L for leap year. Okay. So too. So to are all utterances and thoughts, right? Because we'd already mentioned actions or thoughts, which are not directed towards Hashem and His will and service. For this is the meaning of sitra achra. What is sitra achra? Literally means the other side. Why would you call something the other side? Why would you call something the other side? That's right. You don't want to say what it's called? You don't want to say what it's called, or you're only thinking of it in terms of that it's opposite the thing that you're interested in, right? Like you're not dignifying it with its, its own thing, right? It's a, a, as the, uh, you know, you can divide the entire world into two categories, potatoes and? Not everything that's not a potato, right? <laughs> Which is a useful distinction in what case? In what situation is that a useful distinction to make about if you need to make mashed potatoes, right? <laughs> you want to know, is it a potato or is it not a potato? That's all you care about, right? It doesn't matter what it is if it's not a potato because what you're interested in making is mashed potatoes, right? Okay. So when, when this thing is called sitra achra, the other side, that means all we know about it is it's not the thing that we are interested in, right? Okay. What is sitrach? I not the side of holiness, right? So all of reality can be split into two things: things which are holy and yeah. things that aren't. Okay. Which would be under tachos right? I mean, under the. Yes, that's actually an important. I'm, I'm very happy you mentioned that. So there is actually a discussion whether Shlomo Melech was a heretic. Why? Well, because he said things like "Ein chadash tachos shemesh." Everything you do, everything we do is vain. It's all pointless. Um, what, what is the, what's the point of toiling under the sun? It accomplishes nothing. It doesn't really sound like a, encouraging the idea that we have a mission in this world and we can accomplish things through our observance of Torah mitzvahs, right? Mm-hmm. So there are a few different things that like, the sages concluded that, that, that he was not a heretic. But one of the things the Zohar says is that when Shlomo Melech says that what's the point of anything a person does under the sun... The Zohar makes a distinction between what is under the sun versus what is okay. above the sun. And above the sun, i.e., that which is Torah and mitzvahs, the side of holiness, versus under the sun, which is everything else. So that, that, that's the implication of everything under the sun. doesn't mean everything in existence. means everything that is not Torah and mitzvahs. Okay. Now, so if we want to understand what's so bad about everything else, we need to understand why, what, we need to understand what holiness is, right? Because the problem with everything else is that it's not holiness. Okay, so what's holiness? For the holy side is nothing but the indwelling and extension of the holiness of the Holy One, blessed be He. We will stop at that point. So what makes something holy? The heat wave is over. You can uh, wake up. It's okay. Oh, that's nice. Can you explain to me what that means? 
What? You know what holiness, right? It's like, it's like when I was in grade school, they told us not to use the word in the definition, right? What's a game? Well, a game is the kind of thing you do when you get together and play a game. No. Right? It's a little bit weird if the Alter Rebbe is going to say that the side of holiness is something which is an extension of holiness, right? It doesn't really accomplish much, right? So let's assume for a moment that the Alter Rebbe is not being ridiculous. Let's try and make that definition meaningful. What words, what is the Alter Rebbe saying? What, 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 what concept is he trying to create for us by saying, for the holy side is nothing but the indwelling and extension of the holiness of the Holy One, blessed be he. Is he defining the concept of holiness? No. No, right? Because if he was defining the concept of holiness, you should say, holiness is where holiness resides. Well, that's kind of silly, right? What is he defining? What is he explaining? No. What do you think he's explaining? Um, Side of holiness, right? What is the side of holiness? Everything that's an extension of the. Okay, so is the word holiness being defined here? No. No. Side, right? This is the thing Yankov wants us to understand. What does it mean that something is on the side of holiness? What does it mean that something is on the side of holiness? Is that it is? Align with it and the same as it. Is that there's an extension of Hashem's holiness in that thing. Right? Right. right. Okay. Eraser. Whoa, 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 we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Okay. Okay, so I here have an eraser because that's just the first object I picked at random, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, the eraser is not God. Are we good with that? It is not Hashem. It is not the Holy One, blessed be He, right? There is a difference between the eraser and Hashem. And the difference is that the eraser is holy. Sorry, the eraser is not holy, has no holiness, and Hashem is holy. Good? Okay. On the other hand, these are tzitzis. Okay? The tzitzis, are they God? No. No, they are not God. However, can I distinguish the tzitzis from Hashem the same way I distinguish the eraser from Hashem? No, why not? Because tzitzis are part of the side of holiness. So what does the side of holiness mean? It means it's an extension and indwelling of his holiness. So just as Hashem is holy, so to the tzitzis are holy, which is not true about the marker. Now, with the eraser, at the end of the day, the tzitzis are not Hashem, right? Okay, so let's use a physical analogy. Fire is intrinsically hot, yes? yes. There's no such thing as a cold fire? Extrinsically, no. It's not extrinsically hot. Why? The outside is hot. That's not what extrinsic means, though. What does that mean by intrinsic? Intrinsic means that it is in and of itself. Mm. Extrinsic means that it is that way because of influence from beyond itself. Uh, right? So, for instance, um, 
the, the, the water, right, is intrinsically colorless. If you see water that has a color to it, you know that someone added some dye to it, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Fire is intrinsically hot, right? There's no such thing as cold fire. Mm -hmm. Water, is water intrinsically hot? No. No. If you put a, a pot of water on the stove, will the water become hot? Yeah. Yes. So, if I were to ask, you know, an elementary school class, and I would say, can you just tell me the difference between in fire and water, they would look at me like, what? And I say, like, for instance, like, describe, like, fire is hot and water is, and I'll say cold, right? Because it kind of is, right? You stick your finger in the water, it's kind of cold, right? And you wouldn't want to stick your finger in the fire because it's hot, right? So the difference between fire and water is that fire is hot and water is cold. Except that's not really true because you can do what to the water? Make it. You can make it hot. So saying the difference that one is hot and the other isn't is not really true because water could be hot, right? Correct. So, you would, so what differentiates... Fire from water is something much more fundamental than whether it's hot or not. Right? Okay. So now, what is the difference between this marker and Hashem? Is that this marker? Why do I keep saying marker? I need someone to use eraser. marker. What is the difference between this eraser and Hashem? Is that this eraser is not. Well, <laughs> I guess the heat wave affected me. Fine. What is the difference between this eraser and Hashem? You can't really say the real difference is that this is not holy and Hashem is holy. It happens to be true, right? Right. But, you know, if for some strange reason the holiness of Hashem were to reach this thing, which is entirely possible in theory because the holiness of Hashem reaches this stuff, right? So the real difference between the eraser and Hashem has to be something else. Right. So can you tell me what would be, what would really differentiate Hashem from the eraser? It's not holiness. What would differentiate Hashem from the eraser? Oh, okay, the eraser is physical and Hashem is not physical. Not physical, okay. Um, we could go a little bit more, right? Because I could say, well, what about something like... Um, the tits is physical. Well, tits are physical, but the tits aren't Hashem either, right? But there's other things that are not physical and are not Hashem. Malachim. Malachim. So what actually differentiates Hashem from things that are not Hashem? But they're not Hashem. Okay, but what, what is the difference? So, what we're going to do... We're going to make a little chart. Why are we making charts? Because I love charts. Well, it, it's not holy. Yeah, but it, it, it happens to be the case this is not holy. But these are not Hashem and they are holy, right? So that difference between Hashem and not Hashem is something else. Okay. One second, we can figure it out now. Hashem. The one category called Hashem. And the other category that's called? Everything else. Good. And by the way, we're going to have a category that's called holy, and we're going to have a category that's called not holy. Not holy. Is not holy the same as unholy? For our purposes, yes, because it all comes in two flavors. There's either holy or not holy. Okay, good? Yeah. So. What do you mean for our purposes, like where we are at? That's what Dr. Yeah. said, is that the side of, the, the, everything else is called the other side because it's not holy, right? So we're not distinguishing unholy and not holy, it's just, it's all the same thing. Okay. Now, should we try and explain this chart a little bit? There's yeah. Hashem, there's things that are not Hashem, there's things that are holy, there's things that are not holy, right? That's it. All of reality can divide it into these four categories, right? Okay, except, is there a not holy version of Hashem? So that's kind of ridiculous, right? So we put a big not applicable over there, right? There's no such thing as not holy Hashem, right? Okay. 
So Shem is obviously holy. holy. Um, this is really sorry, I stupid question, but no stupid questions. Klipa is not. I didn't, but I don't want to hear any words about Klipa. I want to keep it focused just on this. Okay. So, would you like to tell me the difference between Hashem? And things that are not Hashem, or the difference between things that are holy and things that are not holy, like we, we've got to, because you see, we actually have three categories here, right? We have Hashem, things that are not Hashem but are still holy. That's called the side of holiness, right? And things which are not Hashem and not holy, those things are the called the other side, right? Right. So this is called the What does the text say? Why do we have to guess when we can just look at what the Altarebbe says or the translator of the Altarebbe? What makes something which is beyond the side of holiness? What does it say? Extension of Hashem. Extension of Hashem? Doesn't say extension of Hashem. What? An indwelling and extension of the holiness. The holiness of Hashem, right? That's what we said before. But that's the side of Is Hashem's holiness the extension and indwelling of Hashem's holiness? No. Okay. See, this is too abstract. We'll make it simple, and then we'll go back to the abstraction. Okay? Yeah. All right. I'm gonna replace all of my. I should have done it this way, taking up all the board. I apologize. Is this one for one? <coughs> yes, it does. Okay. You can divide the entire world into two categories. Fire and, what's the other category? Fire? No. Everything that's not fire. Very good. Sorry. This is easy, right? If you can divide the whole world into two categories, then one is just not the other, right? Right. Okay. You can also divide the whole cat world into two categories. The things that are hot, and, everything that's not hot. and things that are not hot. Good? Yeah. Now, is there such thing as not hot fire? No. No, so that's really not an applicable thing. There's no such thing. Good. Okay. So now, for argument's sake, we are going to be really simplistic. Okay? In reality, this chart does not work but we're going to pretend it does, okay? Now, what's the difference between fire being hot and things which are not fire being hot? Oh, one's fire and one's... Okay, but what's the difference in how they're hot? One is naturally hot, mm -hmm. and one is probably using source of using fire to be... Right, right. So one... Okay, so one... Hmm. I don't like the word naturally. Essentially hot. And things which are not fire and they're hot, they are, these things are what? They're heated. Yeah? Mm -hmm. And here, the things that are not fire, there's just no heat. Right? You see the three, you see what how we did this? Yes. Fire versus not fire. And it's hot versus not hot. But we have to realize that fire being hot is essential. It's essentially hot. Whereas things that are not fire are heated. 
right? So for our purposes, we're going to pretend everything that is essentially hot is a version of fire for, for, in the way to make this chart work. Maybe so that not means essentially holy. One second, one second. Yeah. We're going to get to that. Which means that if something is not fire and it's hot, it's being heated by the fire. And if something is not fire and it's not has no heat, that's because the heat of the fire has not reached it, right? Does this make sense? Okay. So now we can go back and we can talk about Hashem. You can divide all reality into two things. Things that are Hashem, which is Hashem, and things that are not Hashem. Are my tzitzis Hashem? No. No, okay. And you can also say that there are things that are holy and things that are not holy. Is there such a thing as a non-holy Hashem? Obviously not. It's not applicable, right? So what is the difference between Hashem who is holy and the, quote, side of holiness? Hashem is essentially holy and the side of holiness is made holy. Okay. And the other side it just lacks holiness, right? Good? See the parallel? Yeah. Okay. So now, was the Alter ever trying to explain what holiness is here? No, he's trying to explain that everything that's not Hashem can be divided into two categories. Those which receive, those which are an extension and indwelling of His holiness, meaning they are made holy somehow, and those things which are... No, right now, I don't actually, the made holy is a little bit misleading as we're going to see later on. So I'm going to change it to receives holiness. Okay, and you'll see why as we go, we'll go through this. But whereas Hashem doesn't receive holiness, he is essentially holy. So he is the source of the holiness and the side of holiness are those things that receive from his holiness. And so they have, their holiness is extension and indwelling of his holiness. Right? Like the heat in the water when it's boiling is an extension of the heat of the fire. Mm -hmm. Right? Good? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Okay. So, if somehow we could force some of God's holiness into this thing, this thing would no longer be Sitra Achar, it would be Sitra the Kedusha. Mm -hmm. Right? But not Kedusha fully. Sitra. It's Sitra the Kedusha, right? Sitra the Kedusha is the side of holiness, meaning that which receives holiness. It would never become Hashem because Hashem doesn't receive holiness. Hashem is essentially holy. Now we should stop and ask ourselves, what does holiness mean? Right? Because, I mean, we, I can analogize it to heat, right? but it's not heat, right? So what is holiness? Anyone want to venture a guess as to what is holiness? And don't say it's set aside for Hashem because that's a little ridiculous if you say that Hashem is holy. <laughs> If you say that holiness means that it's set aside for Hashem, yeah. then how is Hashem holy? If holiness means yeah. set aside for Hashem, yeah. then it wouldn't make sense to say that Hashem is holy, would it? But he's a source of what you're setting aside. But, okay, but that's not how we're using the concept, right? We're saying holiness is a property kind of like heat. Hashem is essentially holy. Other things can receive his holiness, and some things don't receive his holiness, right? He wouldn't be set aside for any reason. He would be 
Yeah, so what exactly is holiness? What does it mean that Hashem, you really have to go back and ask, what, is Hashem, what does it mean that Hashem is holy? That's your starting point. And then you figure out how can that notion of holiness extend beyond him and dwell within something that isn't really him. Anyone know what holiness is? What? What did you say? I would say it has to be something of Hashem. Like, I'm saying if Hashem is essentially holy. It's an adjective that describes our show. Okay, but, but what is it? I mean, you could say wise, but we didn't. We said holy. Because it also gives, as much as it's an adjective to Hashem, it also like gives off to others. You okay with that? No. Why not? We don't do that. We don't do that. No, no. No? <laughs> What's the difference? <laughs> What's the difference? That's holy. That's holy, and this is not. <laughs> I dropped a book, right? I just heard annoyed, and I'm like, why well, is this book? I dropped a book, right? But what is this book? No, no. What is this? It's a dictionary. Is it holy? No. I mean, it's not. An element of holiness. No, it's not. Hashem has like a ray of light on that a little bit. I know that sounds and, cliche, but... Like, no, but we use light because light has the kind of relationship. Maybe holiness is Hashem, as he, like, it's like, let's go back to, what is wrong with me dropping this book? This one. Not the one I dropped. It's, it's holy. Right. What does Just that mean? Drop holy things on the floor. Why not? Hashem is present. Ah, it's respect. So let's stop there. I know, the Shem is present. No, more dominantly in some er like it's more there than it's in the dictionary. That's true, but I don't like the terms more. More is um, more and less make me uncomfortable. I because... didn't say more and less. Okay. You said more. You said that she said more dominant. Right. Okay. Yeah, no, because like you say, it's more. Like like like, then it's all very fuzzy. It's like right. give really clear. Right. It's a good clear it's clear definition. I know, but concepts should be clear. What? No. There's a language. No, the more you study something, you start appreciating how that language is used to get the concept. Okay, now, when something is holy, it commands a certain respect. And I want to point out that that respect is not really proportional to the thing's function or role, right? There's nothing wrong with putting a book on a floor, right? I mean, Sometimes that's just no clean thing to do. Also, generally speaking, like when you're done with a book, you don't need to kiss it, right? It's not your grandmother. So what's with the not putting it on the floor? The not putting on the floor you actually can't do. Kissing, fine, but I'm saying you're not. But they stem from the same thing, which is that you're showing it as kind of a respect and a kind of adoration that is not in any way commensurate with what it actually is, which is a collection of ideas to be read and studied and understood, right? So, Shabbos is holy. What does that mean? Shem sanctified. Fine, sanctified is just a verb to say to make something holy. What does it mean that Shabbos is a holy day? Shem made it holy. It's a mitzvah. It's a mitzvah. Every, yeah, everything only holy does Shem made it holy. Sorry, I'm joking. No, no, you're not joking, but, but what you're doing is, what you're doing is you're avoiding understanding. Okay. It's like, it's holy. 
I'm not asking you whether or not I'm allowed to do something. What does it mean that it's holy? Meaning it's not gonna be the same way Shabbos is holy is gonna be the same way your safer is holy. No, it's not the same way. It's not the same way. It's similar, we're using the same word, but it's not the same way. I mean, for instance, going back to hot, can things be hotter? Yeah. And less hot? Right? But you don't like the word more. I don't like the word more or less to get at a concept, but if a concept can come in degrees, it's important to realize that, right? For instance, so, did you know that yeah. that tzitzis, like yeah. if they're no longer valid, yeah. there's nothing wrong with throwing them away, halachically? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if your mezuzah or tefillin straps are no luckily yeah, valid, you, you can't just But tzitzis, you can. Do you know why? Because the second that one string is wrong, it's like nothing. Because it's not as holy as tefillin. Did you know that you're not allowed to, like, tefillin, there's the head tefillin and the arm tefillin? So you're, what if you're, can, what if you're, uh, if, what, are you allowed to take the strap out of the arm tefillin and put it on the head tefillin? No. Why not? Because the head one that's more You are, actually. You're allowed to take the head strap. Yeah. Yeah. It's the other way you're not allowed to do it. You're not allowed to take the head tefillin strap and put it on the arm tefillin because the head tefillin is? Which is also the reason why we put on the arm tefillin first, because there's a rule, Maile Mekredish, you ascend in holiness. So holiness isn't, like, there's a thing. It commands respect, adoration. It doesn't all, all equal measure. Like, what is this? Shabbos is a holy day, yeah? Is Yom Tif holy? I know you told us not to use the word set aside, but it's actually smart. Is Yom Tif holy? Yes. As holy as Shabbos? Holier? No. No. Uh, no. Prove it. Because if you have, if it's on Shabbos, then you kind of like, well, that's not 100 There are a few things that are permitted on Shabbos and forbidden on Yom Tif. No, Yom Tif is holier. No, no Shabbos is holier. No, no. what's permitted on Shabbos that's forbidden on Yom Tif? What? No, what's permitted on Shabbos that's forbidden on Yom Tif? So if you have a bowl of peanuts and raisins, yeah? yeah, and you really don't like peanuts, you only like raisins, yeah? One second. You only like raisins, yeah? Yeah. And there's very few peanuts and a ton of raisins. Like, there's a thousand raisins and a hundred peanuts. You really don't like the peanuts. Mm-hmm. How do you eat that on Travis? Just eat the raisins. Just eat the raisins. How do you eat that on Yom Tif? Really? You take out the peanuts. Did you know that? No. Because Why? Because on Yom Tif, the rules of Bayer are based on what takes more effort. Because Bayer itself, separating is not forbidden on Yom Tif, but Tircha, effort and burden, is forbidden. So they're situated on Yom Tif. No. On Shabbos, separating is forbidden. Because on Yom Tif. Not because of Tircha, because, of the, because it's considered Malacha. It's creative. So you're allowed to take the good, but not the bad. On Yom Tif, Bayer is Mutter. But tircha is also, so you have to take out the thing that's less effort. Different rules. There's a few things. There are things that are muksa on yom tif so that are not. Is it tircha is also on shabbos? No. So it's supposed to be a piece. No. no, no. Why? What? Why? Logically, that would make more sense. I'm not going to go through the whole sugi right now, but there are, there are a few things. There, there there are a few things that are forbidden. Now, how do you know that shabbos is holier than yom tif? There's a few ways you can it tell. Is. No, there's a few ways you can tell. Oh, it overrides it? What? It like, if um, there's Shabbos and Yom Tif together, the Shabbos and Malachites override it? No. Do you make Havdalah if at the end of Yom Tif? Yeah. Yeah, 
that rank of Dalti and the Yom Tov. Why? Because we're going from holiness to weekday, right? Do you make Havdalah at the end of Shabbos? Yes. Okay. Do you make Havdalah at the end of Yom Tif when it's becoming Shabbos? Uh, no. No. But you do the other way, right? Yeah. Right? What? You may, if Shabbos ends and turns into Yom Tif like it did with Pesach, you make Havdalah, right? But it's the reverse. You don't make Havdalah. You just make Kiddush. Why? Because you're not going down in holiness. You're only going up in holiness. Right? So you, you, you go down in holiness from the Shabbos, but you still have to say, say Kiddush because of the holiness of Yom Tif, right? Mm-hmm. There's another thing is that Shabbos is called Kaddish. It's called holy. Like literally, in the Chumash, it's called holy. Mm-hmm. Whereas Yom Tif is called Mikre Kaddish. What is Mikre Kaddish? Called holy. Called holy. It, it can also be called holy. It's holy in a sense, but not, not. Shabbos is actually holy. I'm just saying. There's so there's, there's different levels. Yom Tov, is, Yom Tov has more joy, by the way. If you ask which is, which is considered to be a days of joy, Yom Tov is considered to be days of joy. Shabbos is only loosely considered a day of joy. That's why there's no mitzvah to drink wine and eat meat on Shabbos. There's no mitzvah? No. On Yom Tov for men, there's a mitzvah to eat meat and drink wine. And for it's a dispute, whether it's a mitzvah for women or it's a mitzvah for the husbands of women to have new clothes or cosmetics or jewelry on Yom Tif, and children to have things that kids like, like candy or toys. That's in Yom Tif or Shabbos? Yom Tif, because it's days of joy. If Shabbos drinks any else, it's Shabbos, I think Shabbos is Shabbos is different. Shabbos, there's a mitzvah to enjoy it, mm-hmm. which is not the same as joy. There's different things, right? Anyway. So what is holiness, right? It's, what do you mean Shabbos is holier? You know why you're not getting it? Is it thinking? Because that's what holiness is. Ungettable? That's right. Ungettable. That's what holiness is, right? When the angels say about Hashem, Kaddish, 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 what does that mean? No matter how hard you try, you can't get him because he's beyond. The idea of Kaddish is beyond. Okay? So for instance, now I'll go back to like Yom Tif. Yom Tif is not as holy as Shabbos. That's fairly from the fact, okay, that it's not that there are things that are forbidden on Shabbos that are permitted on Yom Tif, like technically. Because again, you could find one or two exceptions where it's reversed. The real thing is, is that Yom Tif is you're only not allowed to do what's called Malecha Savayda. You know what Malecha Savayda means? Malecha Savayda means Malacha is like the, the creative labors of Shabbos, but Avayda, those that are involved in work. Whereas on Shabbos, you're not allowed to do melacha, regardless of whether it's considered work. Now, what does that mean? Is cooking the same thing as plowing a field? No. No, why not? Because cooking is not as hard work. It's for... Cooking is part of living. Yeah, I remember that. Right? Now, so there are that are part of living, and there are melachas that are, that are, right? Now, there's some interesting debates about this, exactly where you draw the lines, am I getting into all these things? So, in Shabbos, you are more removed. We are supposed to be beyond worldly concerns much more than on Yom Tif. What is the holiest day of the year? Anyone know? Holiest day of the year? Yom Why? Shabbos of Shabbos. What, well, what does that, what, what do we mean? The holiest of holies. So, how removed do we have to be from everything? As maximally removed as the Torah requires, right? Yeah. Right? So, not only are you allowed to do malacha, right? You're also not allowed to partake of the world, right? No eating, right, etc., etc., etc. 
Good? Yeah. Okay. Um, are Kohanim holier than regular Jews? Yeah. Yeah, prove it. They have less, they're allowed to do less. That's yeah. right. They're forbidden from doing more. Right. They're not allowed to engage dead bodies. Right? They're not allowed to marry certain women. That's because they are holier. And they're not allowed to serve either if they have certain... Blemishes. Yeah. Right. Um, the Kohen Gadol is holier still. How do we know? He have more. In other words, the idea of holiness is that when you reach for it, you can't get it. Wait, how did that just Like you can't do things. You're saying holiness, you cannot do it. But how does a kohen not do more show that? How does a kohen not getting coming with a dead body show that the holier it is, the more you can reach it, the more holy? Because the because because what the Kohen what the Kohen has is not is, is if you're like what what the Kohen has isn't part and parcel of regular a regular life people live people die what the Kohen is supposed to have is supposed to there's something beyond that there's something beyond that something beyond dealing with that in the case of the act of the Kohen Godel it's so much so that he's not allowed to go to any funeral right. ever. Right? Not like the regular coin for certain close relatives he can. Right? So the, the, the idea, right? And when the coin Godel is in mourning, the people mourn his behalf. It's, it's a whole thing that, that there's a transcendence, there's a beyondness, there's an, there's an unknowable otherness to something. Yeah? The idea is that there's something about this which is deep and profound and demands my respect and adoration, and it's not something you can easily put into words. That's, that, now, there's, a, there's an interesting debate in, in, in Jewish thought whether holiness is a function of the mind or is actually in the thing, right? There's, there's a view to say that we just relate to things as holy, but there's no difference in this book and this book. But in Chassidus and Kabbalah, we say, no, the actual thing is holy. So holiness, holiness what makes holiness very, very difficult is that holiness is that there's something that whatever way you, ha whatever way you want to deal with it, it really goes beyond that. It transcends that. It's not, it doesn't fit into that. So for instance, when the angels say that Hashem is holy, 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 yeah. what are they saying? Like, you try to relate to Hashem this way and you discover he's beyond that. You try to relate to Hashem this way, you discover he's even beyond that. You try to relate to Hashem even in a deeper way, you discover? He's beyond that. That's what they say. Okay. So, there's this beyondness, this transcendence, this, this, being alone in a way that nobody really knows what it truly is, but it's true of Hashem. Holiness is fundamentally um, mysterious. There's a reason, there's, there's, sometimes the reason why we have a hard time with the word is because the word is trying to indicate that there is, there is something that we don't get. That's what holiness means, right? Why is he called HaKadosh Baruch Hu? The Holy One, blessed be he. So there's a very famous machlok, it's a very famous dispute between the Rambam and the Maram of Prague. The Rambam said that Hashem can be viewed as the knower, the knowledge, and the known, which we discussed at some previous point, right? Mm -hmm. And the Maral, in one of his works, he criticizes this idea very, very harshly. And he says, and it's very, very, um, uh, it's a very often quoted line by people who have seen it in Chassidus, that the Maral says, our sages do not call him Haseichel Baruch Hu, the intellect, blessed be he. They called him? The Holy One. The Holy One. And Right. Why did they call him the Holy One? Tell me what God is. Holy. Is he is he is he physical? No. 
Is he a spirit? No. Is he an idea? No. Is he a concept? No. Is he logic? No. So what is he? Holy. That's right. He's holy. I don't know. He's whatever beyond that. He's not that. Okay? So I'm, I would be funny if I were asking you, so do you know how do you get what holiness is? Right. You can never. Right? So what does it mean to be a holy nation? That, that to get deeper, but yeah, it means it means beyond. It means like like what is what are the normal things of a nation? Normal things of a nation, right? You know, your nation needs to survive. You need to fight wars. You need yeah. to do politics, right? And and you need to have some sort of like integrity about your 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 geography and stuff like. And and what does it mean that we're a holy? What, what makes us a nation exactly? Something beyond all that. Something kind of ethereal and intangible that's really beyond all that, and not subject to all of that. What? what about other nations? They're not really holy. We're the only holy nation. nation. What? The nations. It's so amazing. Okay. So Hashem is holy, like truly, right? What does it mean that something is the side of holiness? Is that that thing has a indwelling and extension of Hashem's holiness? And this, you can think of the analogy of like the fire is hot. Well, you can think of the analogy of the sun being bright. The sun is bright. We can do the same thing, right? I could have, right? The sun is bright. And there are other things, right? And when the sun's light shines on something, that thing also becomes radiant, right? Okay. So this sense of Hashem's transcendence, Hashem's um, being beyond, right? Being a truth unto himself that is, you know, that, 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 is, that, that doesn't fit into any other framework, any other parameter, that, that truth about him can radiate outwards. And when something is receptive to that, right, and that truth dwells within that, inhabits that thing, then that thing is considered to be holy. And then to the way in which that thing contains the holiness dictates how it should be treated, right, which is why you don't throw a safer on the floor, but you can throw a book on the floor. Why we stand up when the iron when the iron kodesh is opened and the sefer torah is taken out? Because it's holy, right? But do you stand up when like someone takes a gemara off a shelf? Why? It's not as holy, right? Right. So that's so in a kind of way you can kind of think about it. Think about you can think about like like the soul is alive. You can do the same thing, right? The soul is alive. You can do alive and not alive. Right? There are things that are alive and things that are not alive, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's the soul and there's not the soul. Now the soul is essentially alive, right? Mm -hmm. Does anything enliven the soul? No. No? But things that are not the soul, if they're alive, they are enlivened. And things that are not alive are just, there's no life there. Now, notice that one of the things we say about Hashem is that He's a living God, mm -hmm. or we say that He is the source of life. You see a theme here? Yes. Okay. And in fact, Tanya equates life and holiness as going together. When, when Hasidus speaks about life, life is just a way of experiencing Holiness. Now, there are many things that we think are alive but are not really alive. I'm not getting into that. So later on, um, Hasidus, will, Hasidus will say that things which are not holy are not really alive. They only appear to be alive. 
Like plants. Like people. Oh, that's cute. Because real life, so because real life is what? It's Hashem's holiness. And if you think about it, right? Isn't if, if someone if, if someone were to ask you like what is life really? If if, so, if someone were to ask you what is life? No, we we walk around, we talk, and what is life? What is life? Okay. No, but if you think about it, like what is life, it has that same issue. Like the more you try to think about what it is, the more it kind of escapes away from you. In fact, the Maharal uses that argument. He says, you, you say, well, what is Hashem? It's like, well, what's the life in your body? You don't know what that is either. It's not an idea. It's not a concept. It's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's not an object. What is it? You don't know. It's, it's beyond, right? And so real, and so the notion of real life in the true sense and the notion of Hashem's holiness are kind of the same thing. Which means something which receives, which receives the holiness of Hashem on the side of holiness is alive, and something which doesn't receive that is actually dead. Now, I don't mean to say it's dead in the sense like it's decaying, like, you know, in the physical sense. Okay? So, there's this truth of Hashem's being known as His holiness, right? right? Also known in another context as the fact as true life. And just like a fire radiates heat and the sun radiates light, Hashem radiates this holiness of his being, this vitality of his being, right? And anything which is receptive to that, right, right, is sanctified or enlivened by his holiness or by his life. And anything which is not, isn't. And that's all stuff is called the other side. It's a side that's not holy. Or if you're using, or if you want to call it life, it's a side that's dead. Okay, so when you brush your teeth and when you go to the store, right, and when you're filling out your tax returns, right, which are not evil things in any conventional sense, what makes them sitra achro? What makes them such a a, a, a a negative thing in this context is what is what's what's happening? They're lacking the holiness of Hashem. Now you have to ask yourself, well, why? Why do these strings have the holiness of Hashem, whereas you know, the marker doesn't, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. Right? So we've, we've defined what it means. We haven't, right? The ultimate did not define holiness. He defined side of holiness, which means that which receives holiness from Hashem. That which is, becomes essentially nothing other than an extension, right, an indwelling of His holiness. But why are some things on the side of holiness and some things not? So we continue in the Tanya. And he dwells only on such thing. You know, it seems to be actually such things. What does your text say? Such a thing. Such a thing. That abnegates itself completely to him. So, why are some things holy and some things not? Can you define abnegates? I can define abnegates. Okay, but I'm now going to change this analogy one more time, okay? Okay. 
The Hebrew for abnegate, if you look in the text, is bottle. Okay? And bottle means, bottle means it is nullified, negated, abnegated, made as not. Those are all basically the same idea, right? In Hebrew, if you are, if you mevatel something, what are you doing? You're negating it. Okay. So, for instance, right, the Knesset passes a law, and the law is now no longer in effect. What must have happened? It was clearly negated. It was negated, right? It was nullified, right? Right. Okay. So, bottle means to make as not. Now, the problem here is the word not means different things in different contexts, right? And in fact, even here, the altar is going to differentiate two different kinds of being bottled, two different kinds of being abnegated, okay? Which we'll, I don't imagine we'll get to today. We might. We'll see. Okay. So the way, I like to, the way I like to teach this idea um, is a little bit around about, but I think it helps, it, I think it helps make it a little bit clearer, Okay. Are we teaching what bottle? Yeah, we're going to teach what bottle means. Yeah, we're going to teach what So what we know is that something needs to be bottled to Hashem. It needs to be made as not in reference to Hashem. Right? That's what those mean. Right? So you can say it has to be nullified to Hashem. It has to be made as not before Hashem. It has to abnegate itself before Hashem. You can even other say other words, right? Like surrender or whatever, right? Um, give itself up for Hashem. Or you could throw in a bunch of stuff, but I want to get at what is, the, what is the underlying idea here? Like, why is it that for Hashem to dwell within the thing, the thing has to be made as not? Because of like space for Him. Very good. Very good, right? So we have here a cup, okay? Now, can we all agree that a cup is essentially a receptacle? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So the main part of the cup is that it receives, say, the water, right? Where does, the, where does the water go? Inside the cup. Inside the cup. The water goes where there is no cup. Right? Right. right. This part, the plastic, that's the actual tangible cup. There's no water there, right? We're going to put the water in the part where there is no plastic, right? In other words, the real essence of the cup is its non-being, right? It's emptiness that allows something else to be there. Right? Mm -hmm. Now, it is true that if the cup were just emptiness, it wouldn't be functional because the cup is not just a place for something to be, but it also in a particular kind of way. Right? But if we had to think of what is the primary aspect and what is the secondary, the primary aspect of a cup is that there is something empty that allows the water to be there. The secondary thing is that there's something that allows you to manipulate that space of the water being there in the way you want, which is the plastic that holds it. Kind of like a pot has a handle. In a sense, the whole pot is a kind of a handle. Okay? This is what's known in Chassidus as the outer part of the vessel versus the inner part of the vessel. The inner part of the vessel is its non-being. And its non-being allows something else to be. Let's give another example. If somebody is talking, how is it possible for what they're saying to reach your mind? You let yourself hear. And what do you have to do to your mind in order to let, themself, let yourself hear? Right, you have to make the space in your mind for what they're saying to go into, right? Mm -hmm. Which means not like getting all the stuff that might cloud your mind or distract your mind out of your mind, right? Okay. 
There is a there is a pasuk. There's a verse where the prophet says that Hashem only wants three things out of us. Only three things. Those three things are avas chesed. Avas chesed means loving kindness. Aseis mishpat, which means doing justice. What does that mean? Basically, very, very simply, one means genuinely caring about people, and the other is keeping halacha very strictly. It's very different, no? Those are, two, those are the two things. Avas chesed, avas mishpat. The second thing is, yeah. Keeping halacha seriously? Very, very, very strictly, right? Taking the law seriously. Right. Not playing games with it. Din, cutting the law. But the last one is vatsnei lechas imelikachad to walk modestly with your God. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean to walk modestly with your God? So the Gemara doesn't assume that you know. The Gemara says, "Well, what does it mean to walk modestly with God?" And the Gemara says that is a reference to how we should have weddings and funerals. What? Well, I understand that. It's a little bit like maybe you do. I'm not saying you don't. or like refinement or like Hashem's perspective in your life like not forgetting like you're on to something what, what, is, what, what does it mean that you should be modest with the wedding or a funeral that's right that's right in other words everything has the foreground the background everything has what the point is and then what's supporting it right so if you make a wedding and the big takeaway from that way, people are like, wow, the smorgasbord was amazing. The band, really great. And did you see the flowers? Was that a modest wedding? Regardless of the price tag, was that a modest wedding? No. People come away from a wedding, right? And they're like, they, they have an appreciation. A Jewish family's being created, right? They're coming away feeling that they should improve their Torah mitzvahs. There's a joy of seeing other Jews reaching an important thing like that, right? A funeral, lahavdil, right? People have a sense of, you know, the value of the person who was gone, the importance of, of, of focusing what's really important in the time we all have remaining left in life, right? So what, what stands out, what's, what, what, what's, what's bailet in Hebrew, what's, what's in the foreground is supposed to be elikecha, your God, right? The messages of Torah and mitzvahs, right? And everything else, which I'm not saying it shouldn't be there, should be in the background, right? It's like if you go to a museum and you see a picture, right? If your big takeaway was how nice the frame was, there's some, right? you missed the point, but you know, it could also be that maybe the frame was a bit ostentatious for the picture, right? Yeah, that is true. That sometimes happens, right? So the idea of not... say um, weddings and funerals? In the Gemara, Masech Smakas. And then it says, and if that's true about things that should be done with public, all the more so things that should be done in private, such as tzedakah. What's the main point of tzedakah? That's right. So therefore, tzedakah shouldn't be done in such a way where it's drawing attention to how great you are for giving the tzedakah. It should be people feel that their needs are being taken care of. Right? So the idea of modesty, tzniyas, right? And obviously it has an element in terms of other things as well. But, but the, as the, the, the idea here is, is that if you are drawing attention to something that isn't the point... It detracts from the thing that is the point. In your mind, you cannot be tzniyas in your mind. Now, what does that mean? I don't mean to be thinking lewd thoughts. I mean, if the message that Hashem is trying to give me is one thing, and my mind is making a big deal about something else, even if that something else is related, and it's blocking and crowding out the message I'm supposed to be getting, right? 
Modesty means, right, like when I hold a cup of water, the thing that I really should be noticing is I have my water, not it's plastic. It's not a modest cup if the plastic ends up becoming front and center. That, this makes sense? Yeah. Okay, so if something presents itself to Hashem and says, okay, the main thing about me is something that isn't Hashem's holiness, well then Hashem's holiness can't dwell there. But if something presents itself to Hashem and says, the main thing is your holiness, well that requires on its part that not anything else be the main thing, right? And it's in that space that the holiness can dwell. So everything kind of has this characteristic of how it presents relative to this truth of Hashem. Is it presenting that the main point is Hashem's holiness? Now obviously, it's His holiness, not my holiness, so that's my space for Him. Or is it presenting it as the main thing is me, and then, I mean, Hashem can be part of the picture also. So now if we think about every activity which isn't a mitzvah, let's define the activity. What is the definition of the act of brushing one's teeth? Define that as a behavior. What is happening? You're making your teeth clean. So the main point there is your teeth. And therefore, it is not bottled to Hashem, and therefore there's no holiness that dwells within it. It's that simple. Um, and the thing is, we'll learn later about whether intent can change that, but if we talk about just the action per se, it's not about Hashem. Now on the other hand, anything that's a mitzvah, by definition, that action is bottled to Hashem, by definition, because, because it is the thing, that's what, the, that's what that action is, right? Um, yes? Um, with this concept, I feel like we're putting Sneas and Bittal on a very... They are. Similar. Story. They are. They are. So, Bittal and Ego don't anymore seem opposite. Or maybe we could say Ego is not Sneas. Yeah. You want to know someone who's really not Sneas? Someone who's Yeah, someone walks in and says, I want to teach you a class that I thought about this amazing idea that I really think you're going to like. And if you like it, please let me know because I want your feedback about the thing that I'm going to teach you. It's not a Sneas person. Nothing to do with what this way we use Sneas in terms of lewdness. But it's not to, like, where is their mind? <laughs> it's like, there's no room in their mind for anything godly, much less any, not even another person, much less anything godly, right? Right. Um, it was one of the questions that Bachram in the yeshiva sometimes asked me is that like, if modesty means not standing out, then if you're if you dress you know like a, a babacher and you walk down the street in a non-religious place, then you're standing out, so you're not being modest. It is, but 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 what's the answer? What, what's the question or missing? You're attracting that? attention. You're attracting attention. But not a negative attention. Attention to what? Oh, attention. Modesty doesn't mean there shouldn't be drawing attention. Attention to what? Are you drawing attention to Schmerl Beryl's style? Or people walk down, you walk down the street in the middle of, I don't know, like um, Kansas City, right? And you're dressed like a, like a, like a chassid, right? Everybody looks and like, thinks, oh, Hasidic Jew. That's what they think. So you're drawing attention to? Yeah, which is fine. Like, what's the problem with that, right? The problem is drawing attention, right? You're drawing attention to something which represents Torah, mitzvahs, and God. So what's the problem, right? right. Yeah? A woman who walks around in, 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 in Miami or Los Angeles, right? Dressed, sneezes at the shape and all things, certainly attracts attention, right? In the middle of the summer, right? right. But what attracts into, oh, there's an Orthodox Jewish woman, right? 
they're drawing drawing attention to the right things is sneeze, but that requires that all the other things, even if those things need to be there, there needs to be food at a wedding, there needs to be a band, there should be flowers, but they're there in a way which they shunt the attention to the main thing. They enable us to more appreciate the main thing. Those are tzniyas. So tzniyas and bittel really are a similar idea. Right? The, the, the Rebbe said something that everything we know about the, the Rebbe is, is not really to tell us how great the Rebbe's are because the Rebbe's greatness is unfathomable because the Rebbe's are holy people. See the discussion on holiness. But in order for, to give us some sort of instruction about how to serve Hashem better. Now, the true greatness of the Rebbe is something we don't know. Okay, so one thing that people would often say about the Rebbe is that when, when people would be, when the Rebbe would speak to you as if you're the only person there. And people also say that the that the Rebbe was a was a person who didn't make a big deal about himself. Those two things go together. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Of course. And obviously, can we achieve that on the level the Rebbe achieves that? No. Okay. So bittel, bittel means not. It means to make something not. What do you make not? Whatever it is that's going to m- crowd out the space that is supposed to be dedicated for the dwelling of Hashem's presence, keep that out. Now, that means different things in different contexts, right? Mm-hmm. This is why bittel is confusing. If you say, oh, bittel is like being loyal. Bittel is like being empathetic. Bittel isn't like anything. It's one other than is the point here that there's space for Hashem, or is the point here something else? That's it. Sometimes bittel means to be quiet. Sometimes bittel means to speak up, right? Sometimes bittel means that everybody should be looking at you. Sometimes bittel means that nobody should be looking at you, right? So now, if we think about all of the things that we do, right? Is it become fairly clear that you can't say those actions, those behaviors are defined by make the, that notion of making space for Hashem's holiness to be to dwell there? That doesn't define the behavior. No. And if it doesn't define the behavior, it's devoid of His holiness. And if it's devoid of His holiness, His holiness is life. So then that is a place of death. And um, how do you like hanging around a bunch of dead, decaying bodies? It's kind of gross, right? So the degree to which we would be sensitive to holiness, how would it feel to be around all that kind of stuff? Rather unpleasant, yes? Yeah. Okay. Good? Questions? Okay. So now. I think it's hard. Oh, yeah, for sure it's hard. Okay. On the other hand, equally so, there are some things that are holy regardless of why you do it, right? Like, I want to get, we're not talking about a tent at all, right? If you light a Shabbos candle... That's a holy act, right? You said a bracha, that's a holy act. The food eating, that holy? No. Right? What we're doing now, at least with my mouth and your ears and our minds, are all holy. Right? Okay. Now, Yao speaks about two different kinds of holiness. Um, which we'll start and then we'll continue to with Hashem next week. Okay? Because we have a few minutes left. Either actually, as in the case of angels above, 
or potentially, as the case of every Jew down below, having the capacity to abdicate himself completely to the Holy One, blessed be he, through martyrdom for the sanctification of God. So he speaks that there's two kinds of bittel here. He calls it bittel in actuality and bittel in potential. Or in Hebrew, if you like, there's bittel bepayel or bittel bekayach. Now, I'm going to throw this out and tell me what you think. Which is a higher level? Actual bittel or potential bittel? Well, it's good we have a dispute. So we'll go with why would you say that actual bittel is greater? It's actually <laughs> potential bittel means no bittel, right? That's what it means, right? Like you say, you like when you go to when you go to when you go to parent teacher conferences and the teacher tells your parents, you know, you you're, you're, she has a lot of potential, right? She's not accomplishing anything, right? What? Yes. Um, so bittel before that sounds a lot better, right? Why did you say potential bittel is greater? It says potential because you never know what somebody's going to do, and they potentially could do more than somebody's done. Yeah, I agree with potential. Okay, the answer is potential. Potential is the higher level. Because the Jew is the one with the potential. Jews are higher than angels. You would think it's actual, but then obviously it's not because you're asking. Right. Okay. Although there are occasions where I do that, and the answer is actually just straightforward. I'm tricking you. Really? Yes. Yeah, I think potential because potential is everything. That's right. Versus. That's right. Potential means it 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 goes back to this idea of it's intrinsic. It's part of who you are. It just has to be brought out. Something in actuality can become can be from an external influence. Okay. In other words, like this. Okay. Um, the fire is actually hot when it's being heated, right? But the potential to, to, to be hot, that's not, like, fire can't, like, heat itself. The, the fire will sit there from day to tomorrow. There's nothing, you can't bring out the heat from the fire. It's not there in potential. Right? So when you say that something has potential, when you're saying that this thing has a potential, it means that that's, that's actually a, a statement about what it is more essentially. The downside of potential is that it might not be manifest. So if you think of if you think of anything about a person, right? Um, if a person isn't acting nice, is does that mean that the person has no decency? No. no. Just means they're being mean. It means they're being mean, right? Why 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 are you so sure that they have decency? Every human. Because every human has every human deep down is decent. Human beings are fundamentally decent. I'm not talking about Jews. Even God, they're fundamentally decent. So if that decency isn't coming out, that's a problem. It's bad, but right? But, I'm saying. Yeah. Like, think about it, right? If, if, if some random person A asks random person B how to get somewhere, what does random person B tell random person A? How to get there, right? People are generally decent unless something. Now it could be it could be something it could be somebody has like gone through a lot of things and they really like built up whole thing of not being a nasty person or whatever right but fundamentally there's a level of decency that's just intrinsic to every person right um, which is why if you see somebody who's like never decent ever you start to feel like they're like not really human like there's like what's wrong with them okay um, so if you say something is potential. What you're saying is that that, that, is, that, is, that is part parcel of who you are. On the other hand, the downside is it might be locked inside. Right? 
And that's what he says, right? That, that every Jew has this potential bittel, which is that it could come out in self-sacrifice and martyrdom, but like, maybe it will, maybe it won't. That's a separate discussion. Whereas an angel, an angel's bittel is an actuality. What does it mean, an angel? If an angel has made space for God, you know why that happened? Because some outside influence did that. I'll give you an example. Some people really, really want to learn. We call those people children. So if children don't want to learn, who should, whose fault is that? The parents. The parents, the, the teachers. Like, they, children want to learn. Like, they, they do. If it's not coming out, then we've got to figure out like, how to bring it up. But they, they fundamentally want to learn, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, on the other hand, sitting in a desk, that is not an intrinsic part of being a child, right? So if a child is sitting in the desk, right, we know that what has happened? Something. The, right? the parents have, like, parents and teachers have instilled a certain kind of rigor and discipline into the child, right? I think about it, right? If you were to leave a child on their own, right? Mm-hmm. They're not choosing to sit in the They want to learn. They ask, they figure out, they explore, right? Mm-hmm. And they eat done different ways, right? But to sit there like this, while the teacher lectures them in 45-minute units, that is completely imposed on them from the outside, right? So when an angel has made space for Hashem in its being, that's because something came to the angel and kind of did this, you know, what, this plastic. It kind of punched the hole in the plastic, and now there's space. But don't we have that as Jews sometimes, too? In as much as we have animal souls. I'm saying a lot of, even without the animals, I'm saying a lot of us sometimes will be... The bittle that we're expressing, whatever we're doing, is coming from an exterior force. Or does that? No, in as much as you have a godly soul, it's not really coming from an exterior it force. It can never be from an external force? No, there is bittle come from an external force. Right. There could be because you have an animal soul, but the, but, but, the, but the godly souls come from here. Now, there's a separate thing which is it may not always feel like it's coming from inside because we have the idea of two souls and it gets complicated, right? If you were just a, like a solid, can't have external bittle? Sure, Tadik can have external birth. Right. I'm saying Tadik does not have an animal soul. What? Tadik does not have an animal soul. You could also have external <coughs> bittal, but what makes a Jew special is they have an intrinsic right. bittal. Mm-hmm. That intrinsic bittal, we learn later on, is called the hidden love and fear of Hashem that brings self-sacrifice. That's where our, our faith in Hashem comes from. Right? And so sometimes things bring it out, but the things bringing it out are bringing out what was already there all along. Right? So the advantage of actual bittal is you have it in the bag. The disadvantage is, is not just that it's limited, it's also superficial. It's artificial. Actual bittal. Angels are bittal. Why? Because Hashem marches up to the angel and says, hey, I'm God. Have you noticed? Like, oh, okay, God. Well, make space for you in my existence. That's how he does it. Which if God doesn't march up to the angel and like inform the angel that he's God, the angels are not bittal at all. Which is why the angels go lower and lower in levels. They become less and less. They become less and less bottom, they become less and less holy. As opposed to your soul, even if it comes into a body with an animal soul, even when it's doing an Avera, does it stop being bottled to Hashem? No. No, because its bittle is intrinsic to what it is. Yes. The downside is that that bittle may or may not ever be manifest. It may just be locked in the core of a person. So when you have, let's say, once in the last times when angels came down and completely sinned and whatever, there was nothing holy about them at that point? That's right. And it wasn't like a Jew saying? Not at all. Now, angels, the only, in fact, it says the only way an angel can come into this world and stay holy is if it has an emission. If it's not coming on a mission, because the only thing that keeps it give, having a reason, sense of Hashem... I thought that was the only reason angels would ever come down. No. There's a midrash that angels came down by, by, by before Noah. 
And they okay, with our mission they came down? Yeah. yeah. And they sinned. That's where the giants. That's giants come from. But the idea is that angels can be arbatal for two reasons. Either because Hashem is either because Hashem has revealed himself to the angel. Or Hashem has given the angel a mission. The mission is a higher level of bittel. Right. But the thing is, you go into the lower levels of worlds, Hashem is less revealed. So as angels go down lower levels, their bittel is less and less and less and less. The only thing that keeps an angel bottle if it comes into a lower world, like ours, is if it has a mission. A soul doesn't need something to make it bottle. Right? It's like a person, like children are intrinsically curious. They're, they're open, they're like sponges that want to receive, right? So the soul has that towards Hashem. By the way, what do we call that? That part of the soul that is intrinsically open and it to the truth of Hashem, always. It's called what in Tanya? We had ten powers of the soul. Which one is that? We discussed the ten powers of the soul. There's ten powers of the animal soul. What? Gevura is how open the soul is to Hashem. How, the fact the soul is just open to, to Hashem. And therefore the, therefore, the truth of Hashem is just self-evident to the soul. Chachma. Yeah, it's Chachma. The part of your soul, which is, which is that, that, that's always bottle. that's the bittel b'kach, that potential bittel, is Chachma, which is why the altar spends a lot of time talking about Chachma later on in time. Okay? Thank you so much. All right.